0: Welcome to our three-part housing series where we talk about various issues advancing the housing process. We'll talk about Section 8 housing, we'll talk about displacement, single-family zoning, and those ever-pesky additional dwelling units. I'm your host, Bob Stedler. Joining me this week is Nadia Lopez, San Jose City Hall reporter. Nadia, welcome. Thanks. First up, we're going to talk about Section 8. What is Section 8? a lot of news lately on Section 8 housing. There's been a lot of discrimination reported on Section 8. So want to talk about your story?
1: Sure. So Section 8 is the largest rental assistance program managed by the federal government. In Santa Clara County, there are 17,000 recipients of voucher assistance programs. And Section 8 happens to be the most well-known.
0: Yeah, and so we went to council. And there's been a lot of discussion at the county of Santa Clara, the housing authority. Um, you look at the programs, and one of the main complaints that you hear from people anecdotally is, for example, on Craigslist is kind of the most common thing. People are listing their housing units for rent, small or large, and it leads in all caps with no Section 8 vouchers.
1: Right. So the city council recently passed an ordinance that uh, bans landlords from discriminating against uh, people who hold Section 8 or other rental assistance vouchers. And the goal of this was to open up the market to low income families. Most of these recipients are often people with disabilities, people of color, uh, people who fall way below the poverty line. I believe the average is about twelve dollars to $13,000 a year that some people are making uh, statewide. So these are people that are, in many cases, the most vulnerable in society, and I think that's what the council wanted to address. But with that, there were a lot of concerns, especially from property owners. So... There are three main things that happen with housing discrimination. One, there is the elephant in the room. People discriminate on the basis of class and race. They assume that a person who is on a housing voucher is not a reliable individual. Second, there are all these administrative hurdles that come in the way with housing vouchers. So an individual who receives a housing voucher has to pay 30% of whatever they make and the rest of it will be uh, paid directly to a landlord by a housing authority in santa Clara county that is the santa Clara county housing authority but in order for a person to secure housing at least in the private market a landlord has to be inspected by the housing authority this process could take anywhere between 27 days to two months that's for potentially a person who wants to get someone in there right away a really long time that they go without you know receiving any kind of profit and then third there's this bias i think that just generally exists around a people who receive housing vouchers not necessarily having to do with like race or class but people who maybe don't know how to provide for themselves because they're mentally unstable or because they're elderly or because whichever other reason or because, you know, they're not necessarily lucrative, right? You're not getting the most bang for your buck as a property owner. So there are all these different things involved that make this ordinance, especially in San Jose, very controversial.
0: Yeah, I think part of the interesting part of the discussion of council on the dais was the ability to cure or self-cure If somebody's reported to be violating the ordinance it was an interesting conversation from different factions or sometimes on the same side a mild disagreement on if they get caught on this can they have a cure period discussion with city attorney's office can what how do we administer and it was an interesting conversation about how would they administer this
1: and that's why two council members decided to vote against it so council member Sergio Jimenez, and Councilmember Raúl Perales both decided to vote against it because there were two caveats to this being passed that the rest of the council agreed to. The first was a six-month delay in enforcing the ordinance. The ordinance will be enacted September 26th, but this delay doesn't mean that, say, a landlord violates or actively or explicitly discriminates against someone by advertising no Section 8. This grace period will allow city officials and other advocates to better educate landlords and inform them of what the ordinance now says. And the right to cure clause basically grants landlords also the ability to mitigate their concerns with the tenants with the housing authority for a certain period of time before I also believe it's six months before they're given any kind of citation or violation from the county if they were seen to not be abiding by whatever the ordinance now law says.
0: I think there's some give and take that could happen here because I think if a landlord's in the middle of a taking in a voucher and the county, for whatever reason, takes three months, let's say holidays or staffing. Right. And then somebody files a complaint against them and they don't have the ability to cure to something that's really not their purview or their fault. And I know that's probably, you know, less than 10% of the time. But there has to be some, if something's out of their control, there has to be a way for them to just give notice that, hey, we're trying and we just need more time and it's not their fault. What do you think?
1: Right. And I think the way that I heard the conversation being told was that while we need to educate people on this, right, There were some council members who were very adamant about, well, if we're going to make this work, then we need to give it enough room to breathe to make it work. But then there were other council members who said, no, it's every person's responsibility to secure housing for the most vulnerable in our community. And that means not finding the loopholes that you would to to not give these people housing. So giving this, setting this as a standard would be that first step. And one council member equated it to just cause eviction, to the Ellis Act and how that was so controversial at first also. And like any other kind of rental protection measure or law, it will always inevitably (laughs) cause a divide among people.
0: Yeah, and I think the victimization of either the landlord or the tenant is just uh, kind of missing the point. It's like when you see a major accident and you're arguing over who's going to clean up the glass from the accident when it's actual the people who've been hurt in the situation. I think the city and the county needs to just build massively amount of more housing that's just targeting Section 8 people. So I think that would kind of help the part of the stress of that situation. So I think that's part of the situation they've not been talking about, about their lack of production in this area, meeting those 25,000 magical units of housing the mayor promised a while back. Mm-hmm. That would help a lot.
1: I think, yes, the issue with creating more housing is is incredibly pertinent to what's happening in the region. And with Section 8 specifically, there's so many people who have vouchers who aren't able to secure housing across the state in the time frame that they need to or else their voucher expires because their pool of what's available to them on the private market is so, so limited. And this has happened in cities such as Los Angeles, you know, L.A., in The East Bay, Berkeley, Alameda, there was a story of an 87-year-old man, a Holocaust survivor, who was being evicted because his landlord didn't want to take Section 8 housing anymore. So we see these kinds of things happening across the board. And it's a really exciting time because now cities are really starting to understand how they can implement new policies that haven't been done before. And it's ruffling some feathers.
0: Absolutely. And I I think the key thing is they have to staff these new policies. I mean, that's been my concern is you have these policies, how many city staff people are going to be processing phone calls? Are they going to be actively policing? It's, I almost, my concern on that is it's going to be like a towing situation where instead of looking to see, is there a car situation where these cars are dropped all over? you have to report it. It'd be nice if the city would go and do check-ins and with these people and just kind of, you know, go to the complexes that have had complaints in the past and kind of go in there and say, so how are we doing? And, you know, what's your process like? Because otherwise it's gonna be the catch and chase situation.
1: Right, and I think that was part of the conversation that came up also at the city council meeting earlier this month It was, how do we enforce this kind of law? Do we create a task force of sorts? Do, how do we find those resources? And I think these next six months in this trial period will be telling of, of how the law exactly will play out.
0: Absolutely, and I think we'll see how how the advocates on both sides kind of start to maneuver in this situation and see how they want to massage it. I think it was really, I think the apartment association should have been more proactive when they kind of act like victims. uh, This is being thrown on them. If they would have a good actor kind of policy for their association, I think they could have stemmed this off. But if they're not behaving and acting right, It's only going to get worse.
1: Right. And from what I've heard from landlords, you have two different views on this. The first is, well, you know, at the beginning of the month, you're going to get a secured rent. Most of the rent is going to be paid. 70% of the rent is going to be paid. And that's always a check in your pocket. So as a landlord, you have the ability to just accept that and say, well, that's great. I don't have to worry. But... Then there's this other side to it where, you know, I could be selling this for a lot more money or not selling, but renting for a lot more money. And because we're in this extreme housing crisis and this rental market, there are people with a lot of money, especially in Silicon Valley, who are willing to pay that price.
0: Yeah, I think the market demands are kind of the driver in that situation and I think it's going to be really interesting to see what plays out in the next six months. And I'm looking forward to your story following up on that and we'll see where it goes.